the Post-Dispatch with their latest political fix. I'm Roland Close, one of the editors on the Metro Desk. Joining me today are our Capital City reporters, Kurt Erickson and Jack Suntrup. Kurt and Jack cover state government and politics, and for months they've been covering the hard-fought battle for governor. They've spent recent weeks with Governor Mike Parson, the Republican, and State Auditor Nicole Galloway, the Democratic challenger campaign stops across the state. A story about the campaign by Kurt and Jack will appear in the Sunday edition of the Post-Dispatch. Let's talk about the campaign itself. Where do the candidates go? What were they telling voters? Kurt, start us out. I followed uh, Governor Mike Parson uh, on a couple of stops. He's on a 33-stop tour to mostly rural areas of the state. He did stop in Columbia. He's stopping in Springfield, but he's not uh, making much inroad into St. Louis and Kansas City, which um, uh, he's unlikely to perform very well. Um, so he's been really shoring up his, his base uh, in rural Missouri. Um, he is a, a guy from rural Missouri. Uh, he he uh, basically went, I went to a, a stop in Jefferson City that was a back the blue event and it looked an awful lot like uh, a Donald Trump campaign event. Big flags, people standing on the uh, uh, highway overpass waving Trump flags. Uh, and Parson has really tied his campaign to Trump, um, you know, even as, as Trump has struggled nationally, uh, he's, uh, uh, Parson believes that that's, that's the key to his victory is to rally that base. Um, Trump, of course, won Missouri by 19 points in um, 2016 and um, is expected to do well. And, and you could kind of tell that Missouri is is not a battleground state by the complete absence of uh, uh, presidential candidates and even surrogates coming to, uh, to the state. But so at these events, um, I went to uh, Jeff City, I went to a uh, event in California, and I went to a vet, an event in Bates City. And each of them had about 70 to 80 uh, supporters there. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, the, also had the whole ticket there um, with uh, the Republican ticket. So he was, he was flanked by, um, you know, Scott Fitzpatrick, the treasurer, uh, the attorney general, Eric Schmidt, Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, and they all sort of uh, kind of rallied the, the people to get excited about Parson. Um, and and, and the, the message that's coming through is basically... Uh, Nicole Galloway, the Democrat, is uh, a socialist, she's a liberal, and Parson is all about freedom, and that's why he's not making you wear a mask, and that's not why he's, uh, you know, cracking down on uh, gun violence by, by imposing harsher or tougher gun laws. Um, he really cast this... Uh, it's like freedom versus riots and mobs. So, you know, it's, it's a freedom versus socialism message and, um, and, and very little outreach to uh, the uh, people who are, you know, calling for defunding the police or uh, protesting police violence. Uh, he's, the, he's the tough former sheriff and 
he, he loves freedom. So that's, that's kind of the message. Um, and uh, again, it's, he's, he's still on the road right, right now as we speak. So Jack. Yeah. So um, I, I went to a few uh, Nicole Galloway stops and what she's been doing is trying to lock down her constituencies. So you've seen a lot of visits to union halls and a lot of visits to the suburbs, which are going to be really important for her because she needs record turnout in the suburbs, places that have uh, shifted toward the Democrats in recent years under the Trump administration. So I also went to a drive-in rally in West County in Queenie Park, and there were about 40 cars there um, with a uh, one to a few people in each car and um, the speeches were broadcast over the radio so um, the drivers would honk after they instead of applauding um, but it was obviously a way to um, have a socially distant sort of rally um, the honking was kind of um, off-putting but um, that's what they did um, and so um, she also um, at the UAW Union Hall in Winsville, um, Galloway made a case that she would veto right to work, which is really important to her to get that message out because so many voters voted down right to work two years ago, um, and that's something that Parson doesn't really want to talk about on the campaign trail. So she's been hitting COVID. She's been hitting healthcare and criticizing the incumbent and his administration's decisions uh, wherever she goes. It sounds like a contrast between, uh, uh, Kurt, you said freedom, and she seems to be questioning how competently he's administered state government. If, he, if she, she's raising COVID, uh, is, is, there, is she ignoring rural votes and is Parson ignoring urban votes? Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Is there how the rural-urban divide is playing out in this campaign, or if it is? Well, um, she's she's been going to rural rural areas. Um, um, based on the pictures I've seen, um, her crowds aren't as large as Parsons. What her goal is? What her what her in order to have a successful night, she really just needs to prevent uh, a GOP blowout in the rural areas and log record support in the urban areas. So she's been to, um, you know, the Boot Heel and Rala, uh, places like Kirksville, um, in order to generate support. Um, um, and, and I think that they know that they're not going to win those counties outright, but they want to, they want to, um, uh, generate as much support as they as they can out there. Yeah, I would say um, that that Parson is his really only nod to uh, the Democratic strongholds of St. Louis and Kansas City was uh, his his sort of anti crime push, which didn't really get at the heart of of why there's some criminal justice problems in the big cities and, and with the murder rate. And it was, it was more of a uh, fear-based um, sort of campaign uh, on, on Parsons' part. 
to say, you know, you know, we're, we're going to arrest bad people uh, and put them in jail and we're going to try and pass laws that are, that are make it easier. So, I mean, he's, uh, we're going to, uh, allow St. Louis to uh, drop its residency requirement for police uh, and that will help resolve the, uh, the murder rate. And that was, he hasn't really said anything about that on the campaign trail. That was kind of back during the summer months. Um, on the campaign trail, it's just, it's just dead ahead uh, uh, Republican talking points and, and like harsh criticism of of Galloway by trying to tie her to, um, you know, liberal causes, uh, the left wing of the party, uh, which she hasn't really um, said a whole lot about. But um, you know, they 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 get all the talking points out there, like the Green New Deal is terrible, um, and yeah. So you 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 said in the I think. In, in, the, in your reporting, you said that he name checks some well-known Democrats and Demo, uh, rising Democratic stars. Uh, I think the uh, first congressional district nominee was somebody that, that he mentioned in, a, in, in an appearance. Can you talk a little bit about that, Kirk? Yeah, that's, uh, that's another tactic that they're trying to tie Galloway to controversial statements made by other politicians um, and Cori Bush uh, raised a lot of eyebrows, uh, I believe it was last week, uh, when she uh, tweeted out that she should, we should defund the Pentagon. And that, that raised all sorts of, uh, and it raised all sorts of concern. And uh, so Parson is now saying, oh, well, you, you've attended events, uh, Galloway, with Cori Bush. So you want to defund the Pentagon, which would be a bad idea. And uh, they also, you know, talk about Stacey Abrams, the former uh, uh, unsuccessful candidate for, uh, to be on the, the ticket with Joe Biden. Uh, and, uh, and who else? I mean, it's, it's kind of uh, oh, been a litany of, of trying to tie Galloway to these controversial figures in, among Republicans. Right. Um, you also I mentioned think you said, Kamala Harris, too. Go ahead, yeah. Jack. Sorry. Yeah. Did you say you mentioned Bernie Sanders, Kurt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and Galloway hasn't, Galloway hasn't run a, a race that says anything close to what Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren would like. Yeah. I think, um, too, he's, he's trying to... Um, talk to his audience. Um, I, I'm not sure that he was aware that, you know, other people might pick up on some of his comments. Um, one of them, he, he said that he attended public school, but that Galloway attended private school um, in a rural crowd. Um, but, you know, in St. Louis, she attended Ursuline Academy, and a lot of families send their kids to, to private parochial Catholic schools here in St. Louis. Um, and so I don't think that those those comments really um, helped him in in the city. Um, they might help him in other parts of the state, but um, I don't think that 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 benefited him in the in the city exactly. 
Well, it, it certainly raised some eyebrows. I think one of his supporters, uh, uh, John Hancock, right? The uh, Uniting Missouri PAC chairman. Yeah. He, he, he didn't really embrace that strategy either, did he? And this is a guy who's poured a lot of no. money into Parsons campaign or a supporting Parson. Um, you know, briefly before we move on, can Kurt, you mentioned that the governor appeared with a number of other statewide office holders. One of the things that I, I think is so interesting, there are very few people who hold statewide office who were elected to those positions, um, including the governor who uh, succeeded his predecessor. Um, could you tell us a little bit about just briefly the resumes of the two major party candidates? Who are they? What's their background? Uh, how do they compare? Yeah, so Parson is 65. Uh, he uh, is from Bolivar. Um, he was born in Wheatland. Um, and uh, after high school, he went to the military and uh, came back to uh, rural Missouri and uh, started a gas station. And then he uh, ran for Polk County Sheriff and he did that for 16 years. And um, then he went to, ran for the House and served in the Missouri House. And then until uh, 2016, he was in the Missouri Senate and uh, he got termed out. So he uh, decided that he was gonna run for Lieutenant Governor. He had initially said in 2016 that he was gonna run for governor. And uh, I don't think the fundraising was strong there. So he opted to run for Lieutenant Governor and uh, served in that position for two years. Um, definitely not close to Eric Greitens. Um, he kind of, they kind of did their different thing. And then when Greitens, Eric Greitens um, resigned under the cloud of scandal, uh, Parson took over in uh, July of 2018. And, um, and when he took over, he, he really took on a, um, open, a more open than Greitens, uh, kind of a tra more transparent administration. Uh, and that is slowly, as we've gotten closer to the campaign, that is slowly eroded. He's still, he's still been pretty uh, uh, available, but, um, but they're definitely trying to, his handlers are definitely trying to keep him from uh, saying something that could hurt his chances. Uh, as far as Galloway, Jack. Yeah, let's um, just first, I think an example of what Kurt's talking about is um, he had been having press conferences pretty regularly where reporters would be able to ask him questions. This week, um, he had a, a Facebook Live um, that was scripted and, and reporters weren't able to even submit questions for him to answer during it. So I, I think that's you know, one example of what he's talking about. Galloway um, is 38. She's from uh, Fenton in St. Louis County, and uh, she went to um, Catholic school, uh, graduated from Ursuline, like I said, and then she um, got applied uh, mathematics and economics degrees at uh, University of Missouri Rolla. And uh, she went to graduate school at Mizzou and became a licensed CPA. Um, and 
She was appointed auditor in 2015 by former Democratic Governor Jay Nixon. She won a, a four-year term in 2018, narrowly, um, and is the only elected statewide Democrat currently. And um, her pitch is, has really been around um, touting her resume. She says that she's uncovered $370 million in waste and fraud. Um, and she, like I said, has gone after the governor's administration for his decisions on health care and COVID, uh, all sorts of things. So, um, it's interesting. I, I mean, yeah. So she was appointed, I think, when the previous auditor, uh, was it Tom Swike, was it? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, and, and, and that was a, a, a suicide and, and kind of a, and so she, she got that office almost, well, she got it through appointment and, and Governor Parson got his because his predecessor resigned under a cloud of scandal. Um, and he named his Lieutenant Governor successor uh, and and the treasurer and the attorney general when Josh Hawley. So I think Galloway was reelected though. Um, so she was elected by voters to, to, to that job and Jay Ashcroft was elected to his. So they're, they're the only two, right? Statewide election. That stood yep. before voters and won a statewide election, which makes this race kind of interesting. Based, of course, this is a campaign. It's a hard-fought campaign, and there's a lot of campaign advertising. Some originates with both campaigns, some from affiliated political action committees. I haven't made a study to say to see which one is promoting which ads, but generally the gist is, if you're watching a pro-Galloway ad, Mike Car Parson is an insider tied to special interests uh, who's fumbled the pandemic. And if you listen to some of the pro-Parson ads, um, Nicole Galloway's corrupt <laughs> and uh, her husband was a stealth lobbyist for years. And, and you know these candidates and you know their resumes and, and I'm not asking you to parse or dissect any of the ads, but what are the real issues that you see emerging strengths and weaknesses on either of them? I mean, does any of this ring true? what you're hearing in campaign ads. Just, just tell me what oh, your questions are. No, no, the, the ads are just, um, are way over the top. Um, and, and they've been, the, the Parson folks have been trying to paint um, Parson and affiliated Republican groups have been trying to paint uh, Galloway as a uh, corrupt insider. And she just doesn't have the, the history um, of, of being in office that Parson does. So it's, it's really like trying to uh, turn her into something that she's not uh, by the guy who really, I'm not saying he's corrupt, but he's, Parson is, is a quintessential insider. He's been around um, politics for, for all of his, most of his adult life. And he's been in uh, Jefferson city for, you know, 16 plus years. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, but they're saying that she's corrupt and there's not, uh, she doesn't have a history of that whatsoever. Jack and yeah, Josh. I think that um, 
I, I think that the PACs um, have been able to take a lot of the shots at the other candidates this year because this is the first year that um, campaign contribution limits have been in effect. So a lot of the big checks have been going to PACs, which are able to run these really um, critical ads of the other candidates and the the um, the actual candidates can keep their keep the blood off their hands, so to speak, um, and they don't have to uh, make those attacks directly. Um, so, I, yeah, uh, Galloway would point out that one of the Uniting Missouri's ads had to be taken off the air briefly for an edit, um, and I'm not aware that any other ads have have that that's happened to any other ads, but that was notable, I think. Um, um, they're definitely trying to paint portraits of each other and um, uh, yeah, voters should, should do their own research, I'd say. Well, I know you, I know you cover a lot of uh, uh, elected officials, but when you hear voters or, 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 or look at some of the responses, what do, you, what do you think voters will be taking with them when they cast their ballot? What, what impressions, what are the issues you think will uh, we'll decide their, their choices here. Is the pandemic and the response weighing on folks? You said in, at Parsons campaign stops, people aren't wearing masks. At Galloway's, they're sitting in cars honking. That's, those are two very different responses. Is it, how will that factor in, in the voting? I think it, it's just illustrating the, the political division in Missouri, where you have people in cities who are under mask orders and they've been wearing masks. And then you have people, um, you know, that, that Parson voters essentially who, who don't like mandates. And um, so, yeah, I think COVID will be uh, probably the biggest issue in the election for both, for, for Democrats especially. They, they don't like the Parson's response to it. Um, and I, I can't really say how important it's going to be on the Republican side, but it's going to be important to them too. Um, I, uh, and then of course you have Galloway talking about Medicaid expansion. Uh, the voters passed that in August with 53% of the vote. She's promised to implement it, um, without raising taxes. Parson hasn't really put it, he hasn't put it plan forward to implement it, um, though he's promised to, um, but she says he can't be trusted. Um, and then there's all these sort of um, like esoteric critiques of Parsons administration that she has that I don't know that those attacks have really broken through with voters. So, I mean, she's dinged him for um, not cracking down on illegal gambling machines. Um, she's, she's knocked him for um, kids losing their health insurance through Medicaid. Um, I, I don't know how, how many people know about those issues. I, I think a lot of voters are gonna base their votes on the top of the ticket and what the, what the atmosphere is uh, nationally on election day. Yeah, I think this is a turnout election where um, uh, people's minds are probably pretty well made up and uh, especially those who have already voted, their minds are made up. Uh, but um, uh, it's, it's 
going to be dependent upon uh, whose base is is more fired up uh, on the national level. Um, you know, those who want to uh, keep Trump in as president or give Joe Biden a chance, um, and if they can get the turnout, uh, you know, in in the, those you know, by those people, that's what's going to make the difference. Yeah. She's, her campaign is saying that she's pulling within the margin of error right now. Um, there, there haven't been any recent public polls that show that. Um, I think it's notable that in 2016, most of the polls showed Democrat Chris Coster ahead. Um, and Eric Greitens, the Republican, ultimately won. Um, so I think Kurt's right. Uh, whoever turns out the most votes on election day is going to be successful. And, and she can, I mean, she, she does have a path if she kind of replicates the Medicaid expansion map, like she'd have to win the Kansas city, Columbia, St. Louis areas uh, by a, a large margin. And then she has to come close in St. Charles and Springfield um, in order to win. And, and like I said, she has to prevent, GOP blowouts out state, but I think, you know, um, whether that happens obviously is yet to be seen. Are you and, saying, yeah, and, oh, go ahead, Roland. Are, are, just to understand, are you saying that if Trump does very well in Missouri, Carson wins? That's, that's what I would, that, that's what I would say. I, and I think that's what they're banking on. Um, so, That'll be fun to watch. But as an example of how much they've uh, tried to tap into the support for, for Trump uh, on his closing weekend, this, this weekend, um, Parson is bringing in uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the former, the president's former spokeswoman, um, you know, a very central figure in the uh, uh, in, through much of the first couple of years of Trump's um, first term in office. And um, the uh, interesting thing about that, you know, we're not seeing visits by the president or Biden or the vice presidents, but um, uh, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the daughter of uh, Mike Huckabee, the former governor of Arkansas and uh, uh, pretty high profile Trump supporter. Um, Steele Shippey, the um, campaign chairman or campaign manager for Mike Parson, used to work for Mike Huckabee. So there's a connection there um, in, in bringing her in for the final weekend. Well, there's a risk if you tie yourself too closely to an incumbent president who is faltering, but I'm not sure that the idea that President Trump is faltering, that message has gotten to most of Missouri. I think he's still very popular. As you indicated from your campaign stops, where you saw strong support for the president. The right, even his, even his bus, uh, the governor's bus, campaign bus has a Trump, you know, sticker on it, you know, vote for Trump. So, I mean, it's, it's the same. Gotcha. Jack, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think voters on the margins are gonna 
I mean, Trump's not going to win Missouri by 19 points, at least according to, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say that he could, um, but I, I mean, people don't think he's going to win by 19 points again in Missouri. So, um, so that gives Democrats a chance to, to reach out to voters on the margins and try to sway them to, to their side. Y'all have covered a number of elections in your careers. Um, just, just briefly, how's this one compare in terms of uh, the intensity, passion, voter interest, engagement? I mean, I'm just thinking the rush of early voting is, is record setting. Just give me your thoughts. What do you, uh, how, how do you assess this one? I've never seen anything like it and that's because of COVID. Um, so that, you know, shut things down for a while, uh, including campaigns um, back in the spring. And then like the candidates kind of slowly kind of crawled out into the, uh, under the campaign trail um, tentatively. Um, and, uh, you know, they didn't hold these big events. And um, right now we've, we've seen the barnstorming take over in the final week. Um, but it, it seems like it's been a quieter campaign um, than, than, I, than I'm used to. Um, uh, so that's, that's kind of my sense. I think voters are really looking at the national picture and, then, and that these, the two candidates for governor are just not as uh, flashy, obviously, as, as uh, President Trump and Joe Biden. Yeah, I'd say 2018 drew a lot more attention to Missouri just because it was a Senate race. And so it got a lot of national media attention. Um, there aren't very many competitive uh, gubernatorial races this year, um, but still there hasn't been um, really a spotlight on Missouri. I think the conventional wisdom is that, you know, it's still a Republican leaning state and it might not be um, as competitive as, uh, the Democrats would like it to be, but uh, we'll see. And one final thing, the, uh, there are four candidates on the ballot, uh, two of them uh, from third parties. Um, go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, um, so Rick Combs, uh, he's, he's from uh, central Missouri, um, right outside of Jefferson City. He's a libertarian candidate. He hasn't um, really done any kind of uh, major campaigning. Um, and then the uh, uh, Green Party candidate is uh, Jerome Bauer, and um, and he really hasn't done much either. Uh, they've, they've been kind of afterthoughts in terms of campaign fundraising or ads. Uh, they're just they just don't have a presence. Right. Well. I think we're going to wrap it up on, on that note. I encourage our readers to uh, uh, look for the Sunday edition with, with uh, the story you guys put together about the final days of campaigning for uh, Mike Parson and Nicole Galloway. And of course, you'll be covering the election results uh, next week. Encourage all our, our listeners to subscribe to the paper and thank you for your time. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Jack. 
Thanks. Thanks.